Thank you, Pierre, for your prayer, and good morning, everyone. So glad that you're here today. Um, If this is your first time here to Hope Church, either in the sanctuary or viewing and worshiping online, um, I am uh, Greg Brady. I'm the pastor, and I'm super happy that you are worshiping with us today. Take your Bible, uh, open up to Luke chapter 1. We are in the second Sunday of our Fear Not sermon series. As you may have guessed, each of the numbered uh, sections on our weekly responsive reading are lined up with the sermon for, uh, for that Sunday. So we're in number two, second Sunday of Advent. Um, and uh, addressing one way that we should fear not. Um, And we're going to read a a story, one that you likely have heard before, although it's not the uh, most widely read of the birth narratives um, that we find um, in Advent time. Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 5 through 25. And as we get into that, I want to I want you to finish a phrase for me. There's a phrase that I'm sure you know, and it goes like this. If something seems too good to be true, then it probably is. Thank you. Um, Each of us at some time have heard some bit of good news, and uh, it may have seemed a little too good to be true. Or we may have heard... um, a bit of good news, and you're like, ooh, boy, that would be great. But we don't quite want to believe just in case that it isn't true, right? Um, we don't want to get our hopes up. And uh, there may be some wisdom in that, um, exercising a little caution in believing every bit of good news that comes our way. But I'm wondering, can we do that with God? Not not. Not should we do that with God, or but do we do that with God? Um, can we shortchange God with what he can do and what he is willing to do because we have a fear of disappointment and a fear of being let down? So let's read our story today, starting in verse 5 of chapter 1 of Luke. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, 
And you are to call him John. And he will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. They had realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Um, So I want to look at the story and uh, maybe point out a few things that I have observed along my reading and reflection on it the past couple weeks. Um, Zechariah's response to Gabriel is a bit puzzling uh, to me in one way. So let me talk about that. Historians um, estimate that there were 18,000 priests that served in the temple. That's a lot of priests. So Zechariah has a lot of good company uh, with him. And uh, they would maintain the, the duties of the temple, keep the temple running for the worship of the Lord, And included in that was twice a day they would burn incense um, in the altar of incense. And they did this every day of the year. Um, And because there were so many priests, 18,000 of them, this job of burning incense was quite a privilege, a rare privilege. It would happen once in a life for a priest, and only once, and sometimes it didn't happen for a priest at all. So a a great privilege to do this. Um, And Zechariah is selected just by lot um, to to do this. Now, the altar of incense was in the part of the temple known as the holy place. So it's not the most holy place, the holy of holies. That's the place that was hidden behind the curtain where the presence of the Lord um, resided. But just outside of that curtain was this altar where incense was burned. And a, 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 So imagine that when the priest was... was Um, offering this incense. And what he would do is he would take the incense and he'd have some burning coals on the altar and then he'd pour the incense on it and there'd be smoke and there'd be fragrance and 
pretty spectacular scene. And all of that happened just, just feet away from where the presence of the Lord is. And so when Zechariah did that, he, he was closer to the presence of the Lord than anyone other than uh, the, the high priest would be on the Day of Atonement when he actually went to the Holy of Holies. And, um, and in this setting, with all the smoke and all the smell and the presence of the Lord right up just a few feet away, you would expect that Zechariah would be just waiting for something to happen, right? Something remarkable to happen. And something remarkable does happen. The angel Gabriel appears and makes this stunning promise of a son that Zechariah, nonetheless, has a hard time believing. And here's what I take from this story. Sometimes we are surprised when God acts. Have you ever been surprised when God acts? Should we be surprised? I don't know. The angel says, God has heard your prayer. To Zechariah. And I've been thinking about this conversation between Zechariah and the angel um, all week and then some. And here's what I find interesting. Um, in, uh, and I don't even, what's that verse marked? Uh, verse 13, if you want to look in your own Bible. Look at that verse. Um, the angel says, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your prayer, singular, has been heard, not your prayers, plural, have been heard. Not these prayers day after day after day after day that you've been praying to God in your younger years have been heard. Not that. Just your prayer has been heard. Not his prayers that he's been having with Elizabeth Shirley when they were kind of a younger couple and weren't able to have children and they were a righteous couple, certainly praying before the Lord together for a child. Not those prayers, but your prayer has been heard. And I wonder if Zechariah, because the angel just singles out your prayer, has been heard. I wonder if Zechariah was like, what prayer are you talking about? You know, could it have been some singular prayer that Zechariah prayed 50-some years ago for a son when he and Elizabeth were that younger couple and weren't able to have a child? And Zechariah would be like, what? what you mean that what? I, I barely remember that. 50 years ago, praying for a son. Is it that prayer? Or maybe it was a recent prayer that Zechariah had prayed for a child, and, and that wouldn't make too much sense, right? I mean, that, that definitely would be a, a Hail Mary-type prayer, pun slightly intended there. Um, like, you know, I'm 75, i got nothing to lose, I don't think God's going to do anything with this one, but hey, God, how about a son, you know? Um, or there may be a third possibility. Uh, the prayer that the angel refers to, maybe it wasn't a prayer for a child at all. Maybe it was a different prayer. Maybe it was a prayer that this priest, Zechariah, was saying for his people, the Jewish nation. You see, they had been living in this period of 
nearly 400 years of there being silence from God. God, it had been 400 years since God had spoken from the last Old Testament prophet to, to the Jewish nation. Um, and they were living now under the cruel, murderous reign of King Herod. At the time of King Herod, the story opens. Uh, Herod, whose grandfather had converted to Judaism, but Herod certainly wasn't acting like a good Jew as king. And so maybe Zechariah was praying for God's mercy, that God would come and save his people and bring their hearts back to him. And so when the angel said, God's going to give you a son in your old age, I wonder if Zechariah thought, maybe all the smoke and smells and incense going on, maybe I'm just kind of in a haze. Uh, it's making me a little spacey. Maybe all this is a hallucination. You know, how can I? How can I be sure of this? That this is real. And Zechariah, in response, he he plays the old man card. He's like, "Hey, hey angel, I'm I'm an old man. If you haven't noticed." Um, which, uh, truth be told, that old man card is a card that is often played the older you get on account of like some aches and pains in life. You know, you get up in the morning and your back's hurting, your neck's hurting, your knee's hurting, or something in your body's hurting. You're like, oh, man, I'm getting old. I'm getting old. And maybe that's what Zechariah had in mind. I'm getting old. It's not likely it happened in my old age because I'm getting old. Um, Maybe he said that, however, not as an explanation of the unlikeliness of Elizabeth's pregnancy, but rather as an expression of his dull ache of disappointment that he had had built up over a lifetime of being childless. And he's telling this angel, oh, just stop. Don't don't get my hopes up. Don't get my hopes up. Uh, there's a pastor and author, Ben Patterson, um, who writes about this story. Zechariah preferred the safety of doubt over the risk of disappointment. And I wonder, has that ever been true of you? Where you have preferred the safety of doubt, just hedging your bets, thinking, mm, I'm not going to get my hopes up with what God might do rather than embracing fully God's promises and exposing yourself to possible disappointment. See, we have a slight hesitancy to, to, to just going all in in our faith with God. You know, there's something in us that wants to reserve just a little bit, just a little bit of control, just in case what we're praying for doesn't happen. We want to just hold back slightly. It's, it's a little akin to kind of diversifying your retirement portfolio. You don't want to keep all of your eggs in one basket. And just in case God doesn't answer this prayer, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retain a little bit of control so that I can steer this situation the way that I want to go it, that I want it to go in case God doesn't do that. And as I was thinking about all this, I was thinking, you know, Zechariah, he's this priest, one of 18,000 that served in the temple, but actually maybe he's pretty similar to your average churchgoer today. 
you know, someone who knows God is there, knows God should be worshipped, who says a periodic prayer every once in a while, but silently has some doubts. And, and maybe I'm going to put a few statements on the, on the screen here. Maybe you've thought through these statements or had these, these thoughts go through your head. And this first one, I was, I was uh, looking over my, uh, my slides, and it's just a grammatical train wreck, this first one, so I apologize. Um, so that is not a proper way to phrase a question. <laughs> but maybe you've had this question. Uh, does God really, uh, is, is God really active in a personal way? Or the second question, how involved in our life is God really? Or maybe this question is one that you've asked. Does God hear all my prayers and respond every time? Really? Really? And I don't know if you relate to those statements, but if you do, you're in good company. I think Zechariah asked those questions. And if that is so, and if that is you, then I want you to think about, I think, what is one of the fundamental points of this scripture. And it's this. God always keeps his promises. Always keeps all of his promises. Always. I don't think we can say always enough, or the word all enough in that statement. He always, all the time, keeps all of his promises. So look at Gabriel's an, uh, announcement to Zechariah again, uh, verse 13, uh, having the New Revised Standard Version because of one little word that it contains, which is really true to the original language, um, the italicized word in the statement. Do not be afraid, the angel said, for your prayer has been heard. And that little word for is pretty important um, because it's true that Zechariah may have had some fear because the angel Gabriel was right there before him, and he's just standing there, knees knocking in front of this awesome angel. He could have been afraid because, oh, there's an angel right here with me. And we certainly wouldn't blame Zechariah for having fear because there's an angel right in front of him. But that's not the fear that the angel is addressing, right? Gabriel isn't addressing that fear, but a different one. The fear of silence from God. Don't be afraid, Zechariah, for God has heard your prayer. No, Zechariah, God is not absent. God is not silent. God is not distant. God is not deaf. God has heard your prayer, so you don't have to be afraid. So do you know that God hears all of your prayers? Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Fear not because God has heard your prayers. Wow! What what an amazing statement. And the angel implies something really important. If God hears all my prayers, and I don't have to be afraid, what does that mean? That means God answers all my prayers. And I want you to notice something about the fullness of God's answer. Because the promise, I mean, we think about this story. If you've read the story before, you probably have. You, know, you think about this story, yeah, you think, wow, God promised a son or a child, and he, 
God a, a child, right? A son. But the promise is for more than that. Verses 16 and 17. Here's the promise. And he, this child, the son, will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to do what? To turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. What's he going to do? He's going to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Your son, yeah, it's a great promise. He's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. Wow, and not only that, he's going to help prepare your people for the Lord. The Lord is not only meeting Zechariah's best hopes, he is going beyond that. When I was a student at at Texas A&M, there was a little eatery on campus, um, which had a funny name. I'm going to put the name of this little eatery on campus um, on the screen there. Uh, I want you to turn to your neighbor, shout to the next row. How do you, how do you say that word? How do you pronounce that word? <laughs> Lagniape. Must be Italian. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> Lanyap. 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 It's French. It means a little extra. A little extra. Something given as a bonus. Uh, like when you go in and get a couple of donuts and the, and the donut shop sneaks in, a, you know, a few donut holes. That's, that's lanyap, a little extra. Um, the angel encounter is a reminder that lanyap is how God relates to us. He gives a little extra. You know, I didn't want to use this illustration, but I'm going to. Uh, you know, my kids, my older kids may come to me and say, Dad, I need 10 bucks or something. And I'll look at my wallet and, well, here's nine. <laughs> Maybe you can find some quarters. <laughs> and when we, when we pray to God, uh, that's not how he responds. Here's nine, and maybe you can find some change to make up the difference. Uh, he gives a little extra. And that's what we see in this story. So there's two questions I want us to think through today. Um, and the first is this. What if we really believe? What if we really believe the promises of God? Like, really believed them. Like, had certain confidence in in, in sureness in them. Uh, well, if we really believed, our lives would be a lot different. I mean, one, we wouldn't be worried about having enough, right? When the Bible says, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, uh, when the Bible says, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus, if you really believe that promise to be true, that God really will meet all your needs according to not the common amount of his glory, but the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Um, If you really believe that, we wouldn't be worried about being hungry or 
being thrown out on the streets or running out of clothes or running out of anything, right? Um, If we really believe that God would meet all of our needs, all of our needs, not just our material needs, all of our needs, boy, husbands and wives, you, you wouldn't be worried about having fulfillment in your marriage, right? Because that seems like a pretty legitimate need, right? A fulfilling marriage, God's going to meet all your needs and his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I don't think we'd have that fear. There's, there's lots of fears that we would have that would go away if we really believe that God truly did meet all of our needs according to his riches and the glory of Christ Jesus. If we really believe God's promise that Jesus has achieved victory over death, like beyond a shadow of doubt, and that eternal life is for those who believe in Christ, then I mean, we wouldn't fear death, right? I mean, that, that if, if eternal life, it's like right on the other side of that door, it's there, or we wouldn't fear death, right? Not even in the least bit, if we really, really believed God's promises. See, there's great peace to be achieved when we believe. So that's the first question. What would life be like if you really did believe? Here's the other question. What if we don't? So let me point out this subtle observation of the story. Um, The angel gives this amazing promise of a child. Zechariah says, well, I'm not so sure about that. How's it going to happen anyway? And what does God do? God says, just watch it happen. God doesn't say, ah, so you want to doubt? You want to disbelieve? Well, forget you. I'll go on to the next person. That's not what God says. God says, Just watch it happen. Uh, God is relentless in bringing redemption. God is relentless in bringing redemption. He will do it, and he won't let our unbelief stop him from doing it. There's a story in the Gospel of Mark uh, of a man who brings his son to Jesus. Um, His son has been possessed by this this evil spirit for years, ever since he was a little boy. And he is desperate. You can tell he's desperate because he comes to Jesus and he says, this, this spirit is possessing my son. He tries to kill him. He tries to drown him. He tries to throw him in the fire. I mean, can, can you believe the desperation of this father bringing the son to Jesus? And he says to Jesus, if you can do Anything, Jesus, have pity on us. Jesus says, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. And do you remember what the father then says? Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And Jesus doesn't then say, forget you, you doubter. I'm moving on to someone else. Instead, Jesus heals his son. See, God is gracious to us, even in our half-hearted belief. If if we don't believe, God will be gracious to us, even in our half-hearted belief. 
I mean, we want to fully obey. We want to, I want to be so confident in God's promises. I want to be as confident in God's promises to, to hold my life together as I am confident in this floor that it will support my weight as I walk around on it. Because I promise you, I'm not worried about falling through. There's not one atom of me that is worried about falling through this floor. And I want to be able to say the same thing about God's promises, that I am just as confident in those promises. But I know that even when we are half-hearted in our belief, that God is faithful to us because he is relentless in bringing redemption. And in Zechariah's unbelief, he just said, you know what, I want you to be quiet for a little while, and I want you to watch me do it. Sit back, relax, and watch me do this. And yet, because of his unbelief, Zechariah also missed an opportunity. Zechariah, are you waiting so long in there? What's taking you so long? Do you think that those worshipers who had been patiently enduring this 400-year silent period from God, do you think they could have used a little bit of good news from Zechariah that God was about to do something wonderful? I think they could have used a little bit of good news. And yet, all Zechariah could have done or could do when he left the temple was do this. Whatever motions he was doing. All he could do was be silent. And the world needs a bit of good news, doesn't it? And yet, when, when the strength of our belief in the Lord wavers, our witness is compromised and our inner peace is incomplete. So, man, it's my prayer this morning that we will believe. <laughs> That's my prayer, that we will believe. I, I want to put a few scriptures on the screen. Maybe one of these will be one that you need to lash on to and just believe. So here, here's a few scriptures, promises from God. I want us to believe. Here's one. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you, this promise of perfect peace. Here's another promise, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. We read it earlier. And God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. If you see one of these that you know you need to believe, write down that scripture reference. Be strong and courageous from Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Here's a few more promises. Romans 8.28, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. This promise that all things God works for our good. Or John chapter 15, verse 5, If you've ever felt, Man, I just don't know if I am able to do the things that I need to do. Is my life bearing fruit? 
Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. about this, this desire to have faith, to have a strong faith, to believe in the promises of God. Sometimes we can't manufacture that, right? Well, actually we can't, not sometimes. We can't manufacture that belief. But our belief, it comes from God. And look at this last promise, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. See, God started that good work in you, giving you that belief, that faith in the first place. And he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so if you are wavering in your belief this morning, you can know that God will carry it to completion the day of Christ Jesus in your life. He is the one who gives you faith and belief. Belief is a gift. God, help me in my unbelief. That is a prayer that God loves to answer, and he will. So don't be surprised when God, who is relentless in giving redemption, steps into the silence. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are in your presence now. And we pray that you would speak to us. We are listening. We are listening for what you would remind us of. We are listening for the encouragement that we know that you want to give to us. We are listening for assurances of our faith and belief. We pray that you would help us in our unbelief. And that you would build in us confidence in you. That confidence that comes from your Holy Spirit's inner voice inside of us. So that we can be strong witnesses of your presence in this world. And your redemption. So that we be strong witnesses of our Savior Jesus Christ. Who was born as a sign of your constant presence and goodness and love and mercy and grace. Lord, give us faith. Amen.